You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. To access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness, please visit our blog at smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. Steve Cashel here with you inside our 670 The Score studios in downtown Chicago, along with Dr. Brian Cole. He is a head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, co-team physician for the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. Is it true, Dr. Cole, that patients' own fat tissue can help treat joint problems? It is true. I would say having commercially available sources of processing your own fat have only been available for a couple of years. Uh, it's you know, the, it's a complicated area, but I'll just kind of dumb it down. It's it's fascinating because fat has um, cells that m- behave, at least in the family of what we say stem cells, but it's not the way that the public typically thinks about it. It's So what we typically can do is we can take fat, what we call lipoaspirate, just like liposuction, but it's not enough that it makes a cosmetic difference typically. And we sort of mechanically break it up, get rid of the debris and blood cells and things like that. And there's a vascular lining, a blood supply to fat that has cells that can produce, they're like little pharmaceutical storehouses that can produce growth factors, things that are important to reduce inflammation wow. and promote health of tissue. So it's, there's no formal labeling. It's still, I would say, in the category of being investigational or of unproven benefit. But it, starting with work that we've done in the test tube, some early animal work, uh, it shows that it can be used as a source of agents or proteins sub- sub- provided by these stem cells uh, to help reduce inflammation and maybe promote healing. But what people have to understand is all these technologies, we've talked about this before, all these technologies are not yet, for most of what we do today, designed to regenerate and reform disease tissue. They can be used in the office to reduce symptoms, for example, with arthritis, or they can be used at the time of surgery to promote healing. But I really caution people to understand that what they see and read creates a lot of perception bias, and patients are sometimes misled into believing that we can prevent a joint replacement from occurring when they have arthritis that's bone-on-bone. We have so many really unique options to treat patients and reduce symptoms and improve function, but we're not yet at the point where I can give you something today that will regenerate what is now diseased over time. But that doesn't mean we can't use these, quote, regenerative medicine techniques, and I'd rather call them orthopedic biologics, biologic treatment rather than regenerative treatment, even though at some point in time we may truthfully be able to regenerate something. How is that different than PRP, platelet-rich plasma? So platelet-rich plasma is just blood. Is we take blood, spin it down in a centrifuge, get a concentration of platelets, and in our instance, with the work we've done, we try to minimize the number of white blood cells that are present. Those platelets have hundreds of growth factors, just like stem cells do, like little pharmaceutical warehouses. They also can increase both the use of fat and bone marrow and platelet-rich plasma can recruit our own body stem cells to come into the area. So there are various things that we do, for example, surgically, that encourage your stem cells that you have in your body, all of us have them, to be recruited and come into the area. So these external things that we can provide, platelet-rich plasma, fat when processed properly, bone marrow aspiration, we pull bone marrow out and spin it down and get a concentration of stem cells, can harness our body's intrinsic desire to heal. And 
also reduce inflammation and modulate our immune system, do all kinds of really interesting things. So PRP, in some respects, could be considered sort of poor man's stem cells. It's a it's a very efficient office-based procedure. We can draw blood, spin it down as a centrifuge, get a few cc's or milliliters of fluid that have a concentration of platelets. And we've used that from everything from treating golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, Achilles tendonitis, patella tendonitis in the knee, hamstring muscle strains to improve, uh, the, the, to shorten the duration of impairment, um, treatment of osteoarthritis. Those are, that's the research that I've been involved with for years may be very beneficial, and it's not that expensive. But people have to understand these things are not covered by insurance. They're not regulated by the FDA at any high level at this time. So it still requires a, a sound investigation and research to prove it. Question for you. Did you first do like PRP, the platelet-rich plasma injections and things, first on athletes, professional athletes like Bulls players, and then to your own patients? No, I, I think, um, you know... Almost like the, a testing Yeah, grounds, when I look back you know? evolutionarily, it was first in... In animal models, okay. well, first in culture, meaning we would take diseased tissue, you'd undergo a knee replacement, okay. take a piece of that cartilage, put it in a Petri dish or a dish, inject it, grow it, okay. and expose it to different things and see how it performs. Yeah. So just a really basic experiment, you know, science 101. Right. And then we would say, okay, that looks promising. Let's do an animal model of arthritis. Let's show what happens there. Okay, that's safe, doesn't have any side effects that we need to be concerned with. Let's try it in a clinical setting. That's that concept of translational medicine. We start a test tube, make sure it has some proof of concept. We then put it in a animal model, which mirrors what condition you, you or I might have, makes us comfortable that it's safe, not going to hurt someone. And then we do through a formal clinical trial, patients undergo informed consent, it goes through an institutional review board, and we do a scientific study in people to show that it makes a difference. Generally, that's long before it would get into an athlete. That being said, plenty of treatments that are unproven are done by athletes all the time. And our job as team physicians is really to say, hey, how do we make sure an athlete's going, not going to hurt him or herself and going to do something responsibly, even if this stuff may not work, I just want to make sure they're not going to do something that's going to cause harm or violate some doping regulation or other. So those are our job as physicians is to not only know what works, but to know what's safe and prevent someone from doing something that can hurt themselves. Interesting stuff. Really is. Really is. Yeah. No, it's cool. That's what, I'll tell you, that's what keeps my day job so interesting. You know? The research the, Yeah, and because I, I mean, I, I love seeing patients, love doing surgery, but the best part about the environment that we work in at uh, Midwest Orthopedics is I can go to work and we can ask these really cool questions and then get an answer, not 10 years, but in a year, in six months. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. This might be a dumb question. That's but a dumb dumb All right. Um, what animal is most typical to a human? It depends on what you're studying. I mean, uh, we work with equine, which are horses. So okay. I, I go to uh, Colorado State. We do uh, rotator cuff repair models there. We do arthritis models in, 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 arthritis models in the, in the uh, stifle joint of the horse. We do uh, sheep and goats. And we do small animals, mice, rabbits, and guinea pigs, and things like that, because they're similar to well, because what you, you create disease, human you tissue create, and you things. You create disease states that mimic what you and I have. Okay, okay. And you know, look, there's a whole obviously there's ethical consequences. People don't like to hear about this stuff. I will right. tell you, we don't do dogs anymore. That's something we hardly ever do. So I know that our animal levels out there don't love to hear this stuff. But truth be told, every scientific uh, uh, venue uses animals for research. Uh, for really critical diseases. And uh, that doesn't mean they're dispensable. It's done in a very highly ethical way, but it's a big part of what we do day in and day out uh, in the initial phases to the, we do it at the lowest level necessary to prove safety. 
The other thing you should keep in mind is that the animals have some of these problems that our humans have. So when we investigate these, we come up with solutions that are used in the veterinary world. So racehorses, for example, get some of the same diseases that professional athletes get. And we treat those with the same things that we do in humans, that we discovered in animals or humans. What so, kind of uh, injuries or what kind of... Oh, uh, they, get, they get loose pieces of bone and cartilage floating in their joints, and that can kill a racehorse's career, you know, and then they have to be taken out and so forth. Great stuff from Dr. Brian Cole. That's why we have him. I'm Steve Cashel. We're out of time, folks, for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our producer, board operator, Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole, managing the website, our business operations, Samantha Smith as well from Midwest Orthopedics at Russia. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel, only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station.